0: Well, hi, diddly-ho, neighborinos. I, wait, didn't I say I was going to stop doing that? Is, that? is that Tool Time? Is that what that is? or uh, what? No, it's like a mixture of Tool Time and also Ned Flanders. Flanders. Oh, yeah, I'm nothing like Ned Flanders. I am like the dude in the hat behind the fence. Uh, I wear plaid a lot. I do have a hat. My hat's a chief's hat. That's fine. Hey, folks, you're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast. This is episode number 50. We're going to be talking about UI and UX design tools, prototyping tools, wireframing tools, high-fidelity wireframing tools, mock-up tools, whatever you want to call them. That's what we're going to be going over. I am your host, Michael Feenan. I'm your other host, Aaron Hill. How are you doing, Michael? I am doing quite well this evening. Uh, and you know who else is doing well this evening? Our kind folks over at NewCloud. Uh, run by newcloud.com slash drunken uh, Go check them out if you're looking for any kind of interactive mapping solutions for whether you got a college campus, uh, a hospital, a city, whatever the case may be, they can help you out over there with illustration services, uh, map systems, whatever. And while you're
1: checking that out, you can check us out on twitter and com slash drunken ux and instagram.com slash drunken ux podcast and also on drunken ux.com slash slack slash slash slack slash
0: slack i'm about three percent worried with how much you're slurring already so <laughs> it's it's a lot of s's it is it's not so many s's what are you drinking tonight aaron some log of 16. you're not are you i really am
1: oh i <laughs> yeah I, I legit, I oh, am. Damn I'll, I'll send you a picture. No, that's the
0: same thing I'm drinking tonight. <laughs> nice. We 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 were a matched pair, and we didn't even plan it that way. <laughs> no, it's nice, isn't it? It's very,
1: it's perfect for episode fifty.
0: The, the way Nick Offerman describes it is, you know, it's like drinking a campfire. Yeah, actually, that's uh, yeah, very robust. It's uh, it, it's definitely like don't start there if you if you're thinking about drinking scotch and you're getting started. <laughs> Don't start with Lagavulin. Um I'm just... I've heard it described as burnt band-aids. I, I don't know that I would go there with... Or sm-
1: smoky, smoky band-aids. I,
0: Ardbeg? Yeah. Laphroaig? Yeah. Because they've got a higher iodine content, and that's where you kind of get that mm. that flavor that you sort of associate uh, with the okay. medicinal quality. Lagavulin has a much lower uh, level of that, so it tastes significantly better, at least to me, because I don't like that flavor. I don't like the medicine-y flavor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Scotch advice from your friend Michael Fina. <laughs> Real fast, I want to give a shout-out to Joel Goodman. If you don't remember Joel, he was a guest of ours on episode number 20 when we were talking about uh starting up like small web shops and and how to run a tiny business for web developers. They just put out an article over at his site at bravery.blog. Mm. The title of it's called Design Research in Higher Ed. Yeah, you should be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to throw it out there. Tell folks go check that out. Uh, it's definitely worth a read. Especially you know we just had uh, episode forty two. We were talking about website redesigns and some mm-hmm. of the challenges that come with that and the process that goes into it. Plus Joel's Joel's good people. Joel's too. good people. they He's done a lot of work in this space. We talk a lot about having goals before tools, but this extends that to say you know you should research before you develop your goals. Or I think his phrase was data before goals. It's just about understanding that process before you just jump into work and getting into things like why you see in RFPs and in and proposals this section for discovery. You know, discovery is research. You know, it's somebody coming in and taking the time to learn the things that you aren't learning. So there's a lot whether you run a company or work at a company or you're helping inform a process that you can do to make sure that the work that you perform is successful if you get into that research early and use that as the foundation for whether it's the things you want to change uh, you know the work that you want to get done, the goals that you want to set so go run by uh, the Bravery blog, it's bravery.blog there'll be a link in our show notes as well if you want to uh, hunt it down that way or, or check us out on Twitter, um, like Aaron was saying, you'll be able to pick up that link there Okay, so this evening we are talking UI UX design tools, and so we wanted to bring in somebody who could help us out with that and and talk you know intelligently about some of the differences and some of the nuance behind them. I've used a few. Um, Aaron pretends like he has used some of them, <laughs> so <laughs> I look whenever I see Adobe XD, I
1: like I always see XD as like the super big smiley emoticon.
0: I can't not see it. That, that was many. intentional on their part. You know, that's was that's it? called marketing. It's gotta be. Uh, <sighs> so joining us this evening is uh, the product des- or a product designer from HubSpot. I'm sure they have many of those. Quite frankly, he's the creative director at Vinylized Design Company. Frank Romeu. Frank, how you doing, man? Not too bad. How are you guys doing today? Great. I'm. I'm very cold. We got some snow yesterday. It was about sixteen mm. when I looked mm. earlier. I got the fireplace going. Whoa. I got my log of woolen. Man, I'm set. Was it the <laughs> was it the first snow over there? Yeah, here. Yeah, the fact this is super cold for us right now. Like it's seventeen here. I didn't realize it was that cold.
1: We've had we had snow Wednesday. I think we mm. got, we got a dusting. We got an, I got a
2: refresh of it last
1: night. We got about two inches outside.
2: Interesting. We just had our first dusting uh, as we speak. Uh, over here in the Boston area.
1: Oh. Excellent.
0: Kansas
2: has weird weather. That's all I can say. It was uh, <laughs> seventy two on
0: Sunday and then it dropped down to sixteen yesterday. So lovely. Yeah, that's that's Kansas weather. <laughs> okay, so talking UI UX design tools. Now first and foremost I wanna say it because I, I'm not gonna say UI UX every time I go to use this phrase throughout this episode. Unique New York it's, it it's a case of <laughs> These things, and we're going to talk about this, that phrase tends to get lumped in together. Uh, There are reasons that happens. No, they aren't the same Mm -hmm. thing. UI is a distinct uh, area. (laughs) UX is a distinct area. But the tools that we're going to be talking about do offer a lot of resources and, and features that facilitate one and or both of these in different combinations. And as a result, they tend to get used by teams that spread across those disciplines. So my my favorite
1: like discerning image of the two is like when you have a picture of like a um a sidewalk like with cement you no know, cement mm. tile sidewalk and then there's like a passion path that goes through the grass on a diagonal and so ui is like the the the, the sidewalk and then ux is the little passion path that goes off it's not like this most strictest, perfect definition, but <laughs> well, that's like one way to kind of think about maybe a little bit of the difference.
2: I mean, that kind of also reminds me of, and I don't know, you know, it's uh, it's subject to, to debate, but there's another kind of like meme on the internet about UI design is your standard like Heinz glass ketchup bottle where the top is just like facing upward. But UX right. is like the more practical plastic one where it's kind of like upside down, so to speak, and the nozzles on the bottom because nobody likes to have to like shake your ketchup bottle or anything like that. And they think of the right. experience of having like, you know, having your ketchup like ready to go at a, at a moment's squeeze.
0: And I I just, I for some reason, I don't know why I do this to myself. I just Googled uh, UI versus UX design in Google's image search, search, and I found what you literally were just describing, Frank. Um, except that the 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 upside down plastic ketchup bottle is basically pooping ketchup onto the tabletop. <laughs> so I am one hundred percent putting that in the show notes now. Valuable <laughs> content, go for it. Holy macaroni grill. Okay, so I just wanted to kind of caveat that though, because I don't want somebody yelling like, oh, you used UI wrong." Uh, I know it's just going to be a shortcut for the sake of the episode. <laughs> this it's nuanced the difference yeah is it's definitely nuanced and i i think in this particular case there's enough of an overlap that it can be forgiven um to an extent when we talk about uix design tools what are we talking about over the last i don't know would you say probably five you, you think it's ten. even five years i was gonna say like, like three or four. Oh yeah um, i could see five-ish. five ish yeah, three I'm to five getting towards five um you started.
1: I, I remember using Balsamic about five or six ah, yeah, years ago, gonna, but I don't know how new it was. I'm going to talk
0: about that in a second. You're going to join me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, over. So let's. We'll round it up then. We'll say five years. Um, these tools have started to enter the common lexicon for pretty much any designer anywhere at this point. And these are tools like Envision or Sketch, which are relatively new tools. Envision launched in 2011. Sketch mm. launched right before that in 2010. Envision's cool. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's 2019, so when we say, oh, it's been five years, these tools have been out longer than that. Balsamic mm-hmm. came out in 2008, <laughs> so it's been out for 11 years. And we've got a couple newer options now that folks are looking at, Like, uh, and these are tools like Figma or Adobe XD. Um, Balsamic was written in Adobe Air, if I yeah, remember correctly. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Wow. That's a throwback yeah, right there. I, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Yeah, Adobe <laughs> Air. That was going to be the next big app framework Which, for desktops.
1: If I remember correctly, there Adobe Air is basically self-contained flash, isn't
0: it? It's something along those lines. Yeah. Some, like they yeah. were trying to containerize flash to make it safe. Like right. I think it was that last dying gasp of flash to be like, <laughs> "I am still relevant. You can trust me. Just put a wall around me and I won't I can't hurt you." <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so Figment XD uh, came out in 2016, so they're new players three years ago. Uh, prior to all of this, doing wireframing, doing you know uh, what was called paper prototyping, you know we would use whatever was handy. Some people, because a lot of this originates in the design sphere, you would see a lot of it done in Illustrator or even Photoshop. I mm-hmm, remember yeah. oh, pulling yeah. like uh, a column templates for photoshop that mm-hmm. would let you go in and they would have like sticker uh layers and stuff you could pull from to start laying stuff out and use the guides so sort yeah. of like the column layouts and everything yeah slice it up make slices remember that prior to that uh word have you ever seen prototypes done in word
2: hmm
0: like intentionally yeah <laughs> i I have worked with folks back, you know, going back two thousand six, oh, two thousand seven. Right. People were doing it in Word. Wasn't there
1: like a a Word front page pipeline or something like you could export as a web page or something oh, from a Word document? Yeah, maybe, but screw that. Oh. This was just like people using the shapes tools. Man,
2: that's yeah. I think i
1: suppressed those memories.
2: It kind of uh kind of also reminds me. I know there's a there's like a very dedicated. Um, user base of folks who use like either PowerPoint or um, uh, Apple oh, Keynote yeah. uh, for kind of like uh-huh. designing a prototype because of those kind of built-in inherent like animation and transition tools. Yeah, you could use it to like yeah do like a button click, so you click the
0: button mm-hmm. and it transitions to the next page. Yeah, I've I have seen that. I,
1: PowerPoint's nice. I I've used PowerPoint for like uh, ER diagrams and stuff. I mean, it's or I've used Google Slides rather. I mean, it's nice to have something where you can just drag and drop
0: everything all over the screen. wherever. You yeah. Want. And, I mean, before all of that, pen and paper. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, to this day... That's still my preferred prefer Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> there is still a lot to be said for getting up and grabbing a, a big old pad of paper. Or I've got in my office here, I've uh, mounted a big whiteboard to my right so that mm-hmm. when I need to just sit down and, and think about something in space, that flow of hand to anything mm-hmm. is really nice. Because it's... Mm-hmm free right you're not limited by anything you're not concerned with transitions or padding or anything you're just wanting to sketch a layout i find that it's easier for me to like create whatever it is
1: i'm imagining if i'm using my hand to like move it on the paper than it is to do it with a mouse um in the same way that like i can type my thoughts more easily with my fingers than i can with my thumbs you guess is that just me no that's totally
2: just you that's that's weird. Man. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it's natural. Like we, you know, we grew up learning how to draw and how to write. And these are some of the first things that we do yeah. as, you know, as humans. Um, so I think it's, it's just a testament to how uh, fundamental something like pen and paper or paper and Sharpies or whatever it may be as like that starting point for just getting the ideas out there. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I,
2: I'm going to show this
0: to the guys on my end, but of course you can't see my camera, but I've got a little notebook in front of me right now that I've been working on a, a project, a side <laughs> project, and like, the page one is me sketching. Nice. Ink on paper, a uh, little interface, but, uh, this is, but this is the way we think, right? Because you can't just show up to an empty plot of land and make a house. You know, you have blueprints, you have mm-hmm. design ideas, you know, you... You go through all kinds of iterations on everything from color to carpet and, and all of this. So this mm-hmm. is our industry's way of saying, hey, let's not just start making something and hope the end result works. We want to start building something or, you know, outline something that then will inform mm-hmm. that process. I personally have uh, experience with Adobe XD, uh, limited, mm-hmm. I'm like I'm not deep into it, but I can use it. I generally like it. I think it's fairly effective. There are some things that I think would make it easier, but that's my my stuff. Um, I am with you, Aaron. I started yeah. using Balsamic right around probably o eight o nine. It was one of the first uh, yep. wireframing tools I used. And I used it specifically because I liked how, a, a, and we'll talk about some of this stuff later, but it was really easy to get into, and the the styling of it, Made it easy to create things that I could show to people without them worrying about like how real mm-hmm. it was.
1: <laughs> I like i I did like it for that. I, I used it for probably six months, and then decided that I was just going to go back to
0: using a legal pad and pen because I could do things faster. Yeah. On it. and I know Frank, you've got experience in several of these as well.
2: Yeah. So I mean, start like some of my background um, was in graphic design. So being very familiar with Adobe tools like Illustrator and Photoshop, when I first started diving into the world of interface design, um, I would use those as my tools. But part of that was, you know, Illustrator and Photoshop specifically, these are massive monumental tools um, with a whole, you know, a whole mega set of uh, of features that maybe aren't necessarily um, needed for kind of just uh, iterating on some designs for an interface or what have you. So the speediness of them would kind of be interfered by the by the tools. Adobe definitely, you know, they did it right by kind of diving into the sphere and really focusing on XD. And you know, I know their beta was more or less in 2016. I think they had like a formal release towards the end of 2017. But um, they really focus on providing a similar experience, a lot of the same shortcuts that like Adobe Power users would be good with and really making this fast, quick, like, really decreasing the time from like thought to thought to design. I, I don't know what the exact phrasing that they use, but um, makes it really quick to iterate on as far as sketch and envision. That's been one of my go-tos as well. Professionally, uh, a lot of, they're very enterprise friendly. So using sketch for designing the actual artboards and layouts and what have you for different um, uh, UI designs and then stringing them together in, in envision. These are the
0: names. The names are easy. Envision, Sketch, Balsamic, Figma, XD. There are many, many others. It's worth stopping for just a second to talk about what exactly they are. And, and I'm sure it's, for me, like this entire process, like the things that you create in these tools go by a whole lot of different names, whether that's wireframes or prototypes or mock-ups or high-fidelity wireframes, you'll hear sometimes. These are all tools to design things some of them are better than others depending on the route you're going in terms of like how finished a thing you're going to design. But the idea is to kind of make something that establishes uh, what I would say is the blueprint for then what you're going to build. And maybe that's super detailed. Maybe it's super uh, engaging and everything. And you've already done user flows and interactions and all that in it. Or maybe it's just, the skeleton, the outline, to kind of show here's how we're going to use space or whatever. But that's, at at their heart, that's kind of what these tools are meant to sort of help
2: you with. Is that a a fair way for me to put that, Frank? I'd say so. Um, And granted, like, a lot of these different um, outputs, um, you know, can exist at different points in the standard, like, design and development process. Uh, But these tools do facilitate the creation of these outputs, you know, by uh, inherently just based on the functionality that's baked into them. They're very good across
0: the board. Like any of these tools you pick up can pretty much answer the form question. Like they can make a thing. They can, you know, give you the Mm -hmm. shape of something. Some of them in in different ways, uh, you know, XD does it and Vision does it, are good at also illustrating flow. So being able, you use the phrase, Frank, an art board. And Mm -hmm. those art boards are generally used to signify like different states of things. And so you can go from board to board to show when you click a button, here's the thing Mm -hmm. that happens. Here's the pop-up you get. This is where we get into why we say UI UX design tools, right? This is all about UI is the form and UX is the function kind of piece. So they're Mm -hmm. great at, Building out how it should look, how it'll lay out, how elements will butt up against each other. But these tools also help you facilitate how it will work in that space or what will happen in certain use cases. And that can be incredibly powerful for a team. How many, Frank, because obviously HubSpot is a huge company, right? Like in mm-hmm. in your team, the folks that you work with fairly directly, how big would you say that is?
2: Definitely, as like as teams get bigger, being able to um, to iterate and like design something and be able to communicate the exact intention of what what it is that you're trying to build and what is that functional experience and what ultimately someone out in the wild is going to be using um, is definitely a like a strength of some of these tools and some more than others, sure. Um, like I know that's one thing that Adobe XD has been investing heavily in is on these kind of animation, you mm. know, tools and functionality for prototypes and being able to simulate the experience that someone's going to have with it to the point that now they, you know, they've integrated a couple months, uh, almost a year ago, the ability to simulate, Uh, voice interactions so if i have if i'm looking at like one screen what happens if i say a certain word or a certain phrase and what does that (laughs) what does that transition into and i i think they're one of the only ones who do that but you know the different tools offer different degrees of uh of functionality to help people really just communicate and convey that intention
1: i think one thing that i i would say of all the different tools is the um when when you're when you're the developer working directly with the client like i remember i did this a lot in higher ed um pen and paper is fine because i'm talking directly with the stakeholder so like i know what my notes mean but Mm -hmm. um at my last job we used envision because we had a dedicated like product design team and so when they did a handoff it would have you know the hex codes of all the colors it had the exact pixel dimensions it had the assets bundled in, like everything was all right there. And they were very intentional about like, okay, this needs to be this color. This needs to be this font. This needs to be this image, et cetera. So that was really useful. I like, it would be a lot harder if they gave me like, you know, a chicken scratch like I would make. Um, so I, I think as your team gets bigger and as you need more specificity, like that's
0: where those bigger tools become more useful. Like you need something codified, right? To be able to hand
2: for back sure. and forth over the face. Yeah. yeah, And definitely like InVision has their inspector tool and like XD mm-hmm. has, um, I don't know if they call it inspect. I think they just call them like developer tools or something like that. But essentially communicating that same idea of like, what are the CSS uh, you know, yes. components and parameters and what are the dimensions that I need to know for color, spacing, size, all that good stuff.
0: There's an article, and if you're interested in just the the general discussion of you know UI versus UX, there's an article over at Career Foundry. You can go pick up. We'll have that linked in the show notes that digs into that at length. Um, it's like a 16 minute article. So when we then start thinking about okay, so there's all these tools. Which one do I use? You know why would I pick you know Envision over XD or Balsamic? You know how how do I even know where to start? And I think that that's a challenge much like when i sit down and i think well do i use view or do i use angular you know do i yeah. use uh, php or, or react or you know, there's all of these different things that you have to consider when you're building something i think first and foremost the very first piece of advice i'm going to give you is as far as like the big ones so these big five that we throw the names around envision sketch balsamic figma xd like i feel like in general you can't go too wrong with most of them for sure like in a broad sense you know they're all good tools they've all xd really has come a long way um oh yeah it has. towards yeah refining mm-hmm. their experience they I, I think adobe had a fire lit under them when they saw like the money envisioning sketch <laughs> we making mm-hmm. and they said well we want a piece of that pie and of course they have the power of creative cloud to leverage there so yep. um, they really put some effort into that but all of these tools are good some of them are good in different ways like if if the tools are
1: effectively more or less interchangeable, would you say that the um the discretion comes in how you use them like there's a right and wrong way or a right and wrong purpose for
2: using the tools um, I mean potentially the way I look at it, it's uh there's there's so many different options um that you can come at it from different views, so like at one point. If you're really well versed in all the different tools, and you know exactly what you want to get out of them, then it becomes pretty easy Mm -hmm. to know like, okay, well, this is a certain feature and functionality that I want or need. um, And so I'll just go with that. And that's what makes sense for my team. But if you don't, Mm -hmm. then it comes down to a number of other factors, like, you know, price is certainly one of them, um, Mm -hmm. the size of your team you know, the, the, the platform that it's available on. So like, for example, Sketch isn't a Mac only application, whereas I know right. like Envision and XD, they do have windows, you know, windows and Mac uh, versions available. So there's, you know, there's a number of different lenses that you can look at it to find what ultimately makes the most sense.
0: Hmm. Go over, if you want to find an interesting tool, it'll be linked in the show notes. It's uh, over on Prototyper and they put together a little, uh, it's a little chart with a bunch of, I think I counted almost 30 different uh, interaction design tools and you can filter Whoa. it and change the way it's charted. So you can, you can Whoa. look at speed or affordability. You can look at, you know, what do you need? Are you looking for high fidelity or are you looking for, you know, wireframing? Are you looking for something that's free or are you looking for something that you can just pay for once? And it lets you chart these features against each other oh. which is just it's a very interesting way and i i'll tell you straight up i don't know how old this is i don't know uh it's like i had no idea there's so many tools yeah oh, that's crap. the same thing i said i'm like there are yeah. there are a lot of these things that i have never touched in my there's, life <laughs> what two dozen here there's a lot
1: oh marvel marvel's the one that i used at my last job marvel that's got the handoff
0: mode nice. and everything yeah i'll talk a little bit about my experience here and then uh and same Frank and Aaron, you guys, anything you want to throw in on this? I started with Balsamic. A, um, it was super easy. Balsamic is a very lightweight tool to get into. Um, mm. There, The learning curve on it is very shallow. Um, as a consequence, mm-hmm. it's not super detailed. You're not going to get a huge amount of interaction stuff out of it or anything. It is what I would call low fidelity. Uh, it's got a distinct art style included with it, which is like a, a you know a fake <laughs> you know chicken scratch.
2: <laughs>
1: it's all shades of gray, and then like they have what like it's like a like a light vermilion red uh, accent color that you can use for certain things to kind of call attention but to them.
0: The value for me was in that low fidelity, because like for for me, well, I I was an army of one when I was using it, so I was doing all the web stuff by myself. And when I would go to talk to people about something, a feature or something we were making for the website, it often made a lot of sense for me to show them something like this because I didn't have to worry about them looking at it and thinking – because one of the challenges that you're going to run into with the higher fidelity options is sometimes you'll show it to a stakeholder and they'll think you're done. Mm -hmm. And that can invite a certain type of criticism or lack of criticism – yep uh with it that is not always beneficial, so for me, that low fidelity concept worked really well just to get spatial relationships down because that's often how I would do it is I would go from something very rough, even hand drawn if I went into balsamic, I'd get something similar just to get my general layout, and then I would go into like you know an interactive prototype type system, all right you know I'd spin up something like foundation or bootstrap. To kind of start doing some prototyping in the browser at that point. But this would get me started at least for that.
1: If you don't do something absolutely bare bones, then the stakeholder that Mm -hmm. you're talking to will 100% be like, oh, I don't like this color though. Or they'll focus on like the presentation layer and not Mm -hmm. the UI layer. (laughs) So that was definitely one thing that was great about Balsonic, was it was like really obvious like, oh, no, this is not what the site will look like.
2: Yeah. And I think that's something that as we were talking about the different outputs of these tools, like really low fidelity, just kind of like basic rudimentary shapes and wireframes, that kind of thing is great to like solicit honest feedback since people will think like, oh, well, this is rough. So it's still, you know, it's still okay to give my input um, while also not being distracting to the point of like having all these colors Mm -hmm. and these different typefaces that, you know, someone like a stakeholder or anyone really can look at and be like, well, you know, they can question the, the value of it when really we want to focus on, does everything look like it should, like it should, and can this work and should this work the way that it does? And where Mm -hmm. are the gaps? Like, where does this break? Like more functional. Yeah.
0: There's also XD. I have experience with XD. One of the biggest selling points for me on Adobe XD is simply the fact that it's free. That's a huge, I think, selling point, especially for freelancers or somebody, you know, in school. Free is fantastic. Um, Balsamic's not free. Mm -hmm. Sketch isn't free. Envision isn't free. Figma, I think, has a free option. And and I say that Envision and Sketch may have free options that have, you know, a a sort of locked (laughs) down uh, Mm -hmm. option. Adobe XD, though, is like free as in beer. It's as long as you are paying for Adobe Cloud already. Oh. Okay. It's it's included. So like if you get the Photoshop plan, then you have Adobe XD. If you've got the photography plan, then you've got XD. Uh now you do have to be paying for a Creative Cloud plan otherwise, but at this point, that's such a common thing for if you do any kind of design already that it yep. it's highly accessible from a tool standpoint and it means you're getting a an incredibly high quality tool for nothing. To me, that's a big deal like that's like I say Adobe said we're we want to eat the lunch of our competitors, and they went at it in a major way we We brought this <laughs> up on a, a real time overview <laughs> episode last year, but man, and it's I like it um I've been using it the I mentioned i one thing I didn't like about it is the way it handles uh assets, so if you're mm-hmm. trying to like import for instance material design, if you're doing something with material design, you can go download a material design design kit but just the way that process works is kind of strange and I don't fully understand it because I just haven't used it enough yet but it doesn't really open it like it's assets in your existing project it's just another project and you copy and paste out of Mm -hmm. it or something like but it works it gets it absolutely gets the job done which is probably the most important part of that
2: definitely and I think that that's something that Adobe XD has been trying to come up on is like really investing in Um, this idea of assets and components and like shared libraries and pattern libraries, design systems, that kind of thing. And I think they're making headway into that, you know, into that space, you know, and I could be, I could be mistaken, but like it wasn't until very recently that they've made some, um, some meaningful and valuable updates for at least in that regard. And I mean, credit to them, like they put out updates almost monthly and they're constantly, constantly trying to improve it. And like just, um, I think just this month they released a new update um for different component states for different like interface elements so if I have like a button I can save in one document like the active version what the hover state would look like or what the disabled state and so they're really they're really plugging along um for for kind of that ecosystem kind of vibe. Hmm. The thing that I think about when I think about
0: Balsamiq and XD now both of them do have cloud components which is to say you can make something and store it out there where somebody can go get it. But I would not... On someone else's computer. On, on somebody else's computer. <laughs> uh, I would not say that that is their strength, personally. Now, this may be coming from a place like... I, I haven't used Balsamic in a couple years. XD, I said my experience with it is limited, but you know I've used it a little bit. I feel like they are certainly better for somebody who is maybe working on their own or isn't trying to collaborate heavily like with other designers. This is where I think Figma, Sketch, and Envision really step up. Their Mm -hmm. approach, especially Mm -hmm. at the enterprise level, to provide like a really collaborative environment and to create things that are meant to persist, like create artifacts of the work. Um, So that's whether that's something that's going to go into a pattern library or a design system, um, something to go uh, into a style guide that people will access. Those tools feel like they really have tried to get that part of the process
2: on lock. For sure. And I mean, I feel like that's one of Figma's strongest um, kind of value propositions. Like I view them like the Google Docs of designing. Um, Like their collaborative tools are arguably some of the best. Sketch and Envision are good in that regard. I think, you know, Envision where if you create a design for an interface in Sketch and you export it out to Envision to string a number of these different screens together, um, like their collaborative tools for commenting and tagging people into them and soliciting and receiving feedback is super solid. But what I'll credit Envision to the most is um their freehand tools, which is essentially pen and paper. It's just sketching and drawing really low fidelity. But that's a space where anybody can, you know, anybody on your team can all actively work on together and like That's, you know, in some of my times, that's been some of the best experiences I've had is actively just being in there, working with other designers, other engineers, and just everyone drawing and commenting and all in the same space, live in real time. Uh, So like Envision and Figma uh, in my book are probably the best for that. And
0: Figma, for what it's worth, does have a free plan if you're interested in trying that out um, or seeing, you know, what you can get out of it. It's pretty limited, uh, but you do get three projects out of it. They'll let you have a couple editors in there. It doesn't have like a ton of like shareable stuff or anything. Um, it's definitely not good for a company who needs to share across a bunch of people. But to try it out, or if you're a solo designer um, that's trying to get into it, that's definitely. And I, I'm going to assume that that's probably true with InVision and Sketch as well. But um, Sketch's big thing, and Frank, you touched on this, is great if you use a Mac. Yep. like, like that's the sort of the catch there is that sketch as far as i know Mm -hmm. it doesn't have a, a pc component to it yet what else is there anything else that uh stands out to aaron you or frank as far as like why you might go after one of these tools versus another
2: i mean i know sketch one of the things that's like built sketch's reputation is their kind of like uh their third party integrations and their plugins uh for using sketch and that's something that XD recently kind of jumped into the fray and I think they're doing well in, but like um, Sketch has a huge, huge library of just third-party plugins to do a number of different things, whether that's, you know, dummy text or uh, name generators, all kinds of random things that you might want for your designs. Um, And then as another plug for XD, like their animation tools are superb. So although I use Sketch and Envision, primarily um within my workplace um i definitely still default to xd if i need to communicate any kinds of like animations or visuals in that um in that regard
1: as a, as a developer i mean like i'm not ignorant on design but i i don't feel that i have honed the skills sufficiently to make educated decisions with the granularity that a tool like uh envision or maybe even xd would offer and so something like a balsamic or similar thing, PowerPoint or slides or just pen and paper is going to be what I'm probably going to use. Yeah, and now. that's fair. Because like, because yeah. that's the level that like I'm used to working at. And I would rather just, I would rather not make a decision about things like color or shape or other things because I don't care that someone else can make that who is better at that stuff. Yeah. So the tool that I want is the one that's going to be the closest to that level of fidelity for me.
0: And There is also a, a tool similar to the chart that we mentioned from Prototyper. Um, it's over at uxtools.co, and uh, again, link in the show notes um, that gives a little bit of a like a side by side apples to apples feature comparison across a lot of these. And that might also be something that will be useful to you if you're looking into these different tools, or you know, trying to figure out, you know, well, is you know, does it have cloud options? Does it have Windows support? Um, you know, how do the prices compare? So there's a lot of those, but also the same thing, like you guys have mentioned, are there collaboration tools, are there handoff features and things like that as well. So they've got, they've got quite a few things in there and they mark off, you know, where some of these tools kind of shine, where they compete with each other and also like how they're used, like what their usage numbers are. So that may be another uh, good place to start. If you need to look at like what, you know, what is it that's going to be right for me for these five, um, doesn't count. So these four, because balsamic is lo fi already. But if you are doing something where, say, you use foundation or you use uh, material design or you're using like an established design system of some kind, uh, maybe you're using the the U.S. Uh, government uh, design standard system. Go out and research whether or not the tool already has like built-in support for that, because that could make a difference as well. If you're having to reproduce yeah. that look and feel or Like with XD, one thing that's nice about XD is you can just go to Adobe's website and they've got a gallery of all of these different uh, design pattern libraries. You download the one you need and you can open it up to bring all of their artifacts and and patterns right into your your design already. Also on output, we mentioned output right earlier and most of them will do things like a PDF or an image. Balsamic, that's pretty much what they deal in exclusively. Mm. But You may be thinking bigger than that. And this is, Frank, you mentioned with Figma, you know, one of Figma's big strengths is like taking all of these things. And I I like this phrase, you know, artifacts, the the things that you create, Mm -hmm. basically. And they are designed to give life to those options beyond just the thing you're building. So if you work at a company and yeah, you're going to have buttons in this particular application, but you're going to be building something in a month that's also going to need buttons. Some of these tools can help with establishing that baseline uh, pattern library and save it and make it accessible so that in your Mm -hmm. next project you can import that in. That's one thing I know Figma is like, they've really been kind of driving home with that, and that can be something to really look at. I want to talk just for a second about uh like where these all fit in because it is design and we would normally think well you design it then you go build it which is a very waterfall way of thinking about it and is a, a very bad way of thinking about it quite frankly
2: <laughs> yep <laughs> uh
0: i mean one of, one of the things that we always talk about iteration development has this word we love to use incorrectly all the time called agile uh, and because it's all about iteration, right? It's all about doing the thing and then doing the thing a little differently or a little better or doing it a little newer.
1: <laughs> well, doing it in response to stakeholder doing, yeah. feedback. That's mm-hmm. that's the important part <laughs> that I think often gets lost. We're always
0: talking iteration, but UX works the, the exact same way. One of the things that I like to think about is I think Balsamic has a set place fairly early in the process. A tool like Hmm. Figma, its role is actually throughout your design process and throughout your iteration process because it's meant to help you start, but it's also meant to help you refine and it's meant to help you improve. Where, Frank, when you guys are, you know, working on the next new feature that you've got, how often do you find yourself referring back to these tools while something is being built?
2: Um, all the time. I mean, I feel like I use them all throughout short of, let's say, if uh, if there's a particular problem that, you know, the business wants us to solve and we do our fair amount of research and, you know, speaking to users and getting a sense of like, are we solving the right problem with whatever it is that we're going to design and build? Um, but once we understand that space, then I'd say is where I start to live in the tool kind of in and out. So as I'm, you know, doing early sketches that are super low fidelity, as I'm putting together wireframes that are slightly higher fidelity and soliciting feedback and, you know, understanding the the feasibility of these designs, and even to the point where once they are high fidelity and we're working on that handoff and that transition to to engineers and to developers, constantly there's going to be times where questions may come up and we need to go back to the tool to either refer to the designs or even make adjustments as we run into constraints and problems. Because naturally, you're not going to be able to think of every single you know edge case and every single potential path that, that can happen or any problem or challenge that you're going to run into. So these tools really come in handy to have something to refer back to and to allow you to make adjustments at the speed of thought. Um, as you're needed and as you're working with um, with your engineers. And it's a constant iterative cycle where you're going back and forth.
0: There's an absolutely worthless uh, mnemonic device. It comes from an article over at uxplanet.org. Um, again, linked in the show notes. Uh, they they did not actually <laughs> have this as a mnemonic device, but it was there, and so I said it. And it's <laughs> called ERSDi. Understand, research, sketch, design, implement, and evaluate. And so... It's this its this iterative process of coming up with what you need, figuring out what do you need to get there, figuring out what does that thing look like, figuring out how is it going to actually work in space, then figuring out did it do the thing that I set out in the first step and then starting all that over again. Um, and this is where these tools start to come into play because you're going to keep adjusting and changing because you do walk through these steps. You start with, you know, The most basic ideas of what it is you want something to look like, even as a designer. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're not a developer or you're not a UX designer or UI designer, because these things do factor into the work that you do, and understanding this process is what part of what makes them useful. It also, I think more than anything, establishes your baseline for any and all testing. Mm -hmm. The importance that user testing has on everything from design to content to colors to anything and so by having some of these tools in place it actually allows you to do tests more frequently and earlier in the process because you'll have something somebody can look at very early that to me is part of what makes all of this worth its weight in gold (laughs) we can say hey let's go build a search And here's our – we're going to slap a form up there, and we're going to slap some results down below it and all of this, and we're just going to make it. But that doesn't mean you've made something useful. It doesn't mean you've made something intuitive.
1: If I had to condense Krug's body of work down into one sentence, it would be test early and often. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It, you know, it ultimately comes down to just like you have, if you're designing and building products for people, like you need to get that validation and feedback and whether it's early in the process with wireframes and something low fidelity, just to get at like, oh, is this usable or to the point where it's even higher fidelity and it's maybe even a fully functional prototype. And you could still try to find those gaps and understanding, um, cause more often than not, we are uh, we tend to be wrong uh, in our assumptions about human behavior. Yeah, and that's one yeah. reason why, like, if you
0: think <laughs> about this, if you want to put this into, like, another universe, so to speak, if you've ever heard about, like, doing audience tests with early movies, movies do this all the time. And they don't have a finished movie when they do these screenings. This is before the movie comes out to figure out how it's doing. Mm-hmm. And so they frequently go into these sessions without scores. Uh, composed for it without visual effects finished
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know sometimes without shots even completed like they will have a uh, 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 card holder or placeholders in place of dialogue and stuff uh, but the, <laughs> it's with the whole goal of getting feedback from the audience to figure out are the beats right
1: i just like imagining like a scene and it's like to the the good guy, and the bad guy running at each other, and then it's just the black screen with white text that says "cool fight scene." That is
2: exactly <laughs> how it happens. <laughs> that is very silent. Film. That is precisely
0: the way sometimes that goes down. <laughs> this is the the web development version of that. You take that balsamic, lo-fi, super sketchy-looking uh, prototype to figure out: Hey, if I ask you. Where do your eyes go when I'd say search for something and you're like, oh, My it eyes goes to the here. search box, you know, or, oh, it goes to the thing that you have labeled giant ad, you know, like something like that.
2: <laughs>
0: so having this process lets you do that. You can start early. Then as you add fidelity to it, as you add details, as you add interactivity, you can continue that process and ask more detailed questions, more specific questions. You can give them goals to accomplish. I I did I I did UX testing one time,
1: or rather I did usability testing by drawing the website on paper with pen. It's perfect. And then having like ten or twenty different pages of this, and then just putting it in front of someone and then like swapping them out. It works. I, I, pa- I, it, no, it, yeah,
2: paper prototyping is a real thing.
1: Yeah, you can get you like legitimately useful feedback just even doing that much. So
0: let's uh, so the, let's take this process right where as we talk about that iterative process, the whole point of this is that you design something that then gets actually built into a tool. And just to be clear, none of this devalues like interactive prototyping, uh, what we think of as I'm going to go in and very quickly write some HTML. I'm going to throw a foundation up so we can just do buttons and forms and, you know, a content section, and we're going to throw up, you know, Phil Murray images and all of that, like that, you can still do all that. Like that kind of interactive prototyping is also just as valid. It's just that that's generally free and just something you can do. It's not a tool. So we didn't talk about it, (laughs) but it it is still important. (laughs) And one thing, and this goes back to point four. it goes back to point five the way we consider these tools and figure out which one is right for us sometimes can be a matter of how does it output stuff so that the developer can then take it and go build those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like you had mentioned, Frank, right? Some of these these tools will give you an inspector so that you can click that button Mm -hmm. and get the exact amount of padding that's there. Because, I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've had to go into Photoshop files with the measuring tool to figure out Ugh. the scales that people yeah. were using on different things.
1: I, I think it gets back to that thing I mentioned earlier about specificity. You know, when I, and if I'm doing a paper pen thing, there's no specificity there. It's like, mm-hmm. this page has a button. It's on the right side. And that's pretty much all yeah. I need to know. But, like, if it's, like, a really, uh, like, if, if you're doing, like, a really well-composed site with fancy animations and, like, pixel-perfect placement and everything else, um you gotta have that granularity
2: yeah and uh i mean you mentioned aaron um you know like when it comes to animations and i feel like i'm shouting them out a lot i promise i'm not paid by adobe (laughs) but one of the things that i do appreciate and why i go to xd for animations is because when you string together uh, a number of different uh like screens for a prototype and you have these complex animations you can actually preview and record it as a video um, and so I can give these videos to, you know, it's MP4, I think, uh, to mm-hmm. engineers to like really convey, all right, this is the expectation of like the speed and the duration of some of these like micro animations, and it like that level of granularity really comes in handy and you know each tool does their own thing in that um with that kind of specificity, but it's huge. Developers love specs.
0: Yeah. We love knowing exactly what you want. There are so many times in design, especially where you're handed something. And every intent is not always there. you know. If there's white space around something, you can't always be certain if that's a design decision or just a consequence of the space that was available on the page, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Being able to look in some of these tools and see those refined uh, points of information can really help making make it easier on the developer. I also think, as a consequence, using these tools makes designers better. Yeah, You know, I remember for years, you could hire an outside design firm. That's all they did. They didn't do development. They only did design, and they would send you your Photoshop files and be like, here you go. Here's your website Mm -hmm. theme. And you would look at it and be like, I can't build this. At least, you know, 10, 15 years ago with, you know, the CSS we had and (laughs) things like that. Like, there was just – they would layer things, or they would do drop shadows. (laughs) And so these kind of tools – give, I think, develop, or designers the context of development without asking them to be a developer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this is part of cross-pollination on teams. It's why it's important to know how marketing teams talk. It's why it's important to know how DevOps teams talk. You You don't have to be fluent, but I think the baseline understanding is incredibly powerful to making a team Work really well together, making a developer, you know, somebody who can read a design just as much as a designer who can build something that can be coded easily. Or mm-hmm. one of my favorites is like the variation on patterns. Uh, one mm-hmm. button is 10 pixels tall, another button's 12 pixels tall, another one's 20 pixels tall, but has bold text inside of it. And it's like there are variations on patterns, but it's not made clear if it's intentional especially when it's minor, 10 pixels, 12 pixels, these kinds of tools I think help answer those exact questions and keep everybody kind of on that same page.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, you know, like these tools helping to make designers better and like making that, that transition from design to development better and easier as we think about these tools and how they facilitate the idea of pattern libraries and design systems. And that's an entire other conversation as far as, you know, like the value of, of these kinds of things and design systems, but it's so easy to design something and like duplicate a number of artboards or your screens and have your, make changes to your buttons. And now all of a sudden, you know, next thing, you know, you have 10 different, shades of gray or, right. you know, however many numbers of buttons and these kinds of like design systems allow you to save the time that you have, not only make the work and make it easier for the developers to understand what your intention is and what the ultimate source of truth is, but really allow you to save time by creating one component with certain number of variations and just keep that consistent. If I make a change to like the the main kind of source file, then that'll be updated across all all the other uses of that button. So like, that's something else that um, definitely helps make designers and developers better and that working relationship better. And The last, uh, I think, big
0: uh, value add there is those kinds of things, that kind of output when it comes to getting uh, third parties involved in your work, because whether Mm -hmm. you're a freelancer Mm -hmm. or you work at a company, inevitably, you're going to have to work with somebody else. And so having something that you can hand off and say, here's, here's our design system, here's our pattern library, here's whatever it is that you're after, that makes – that gets them up to speed so much more fast – so so much more quickly, so much more fastly, much quicker. There we go. I got there. <laughs> much much quicker. <laughs> uh, okay, final question. Your money's on the table. You can buy exactly one of these tools for the rest of your life, and it's the one you have to use. Which one is it? Aaron?
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> Just like the Desert Island question, but with UX design which you, tools. Which UX design tool are you going to buy? I would pick Balsamic, but inside of Balsamic, there would be a set of matches, a compass, and okay, a mirror. Okay, that's a fair fair answer. Frank, <laughs>
0: what's your money on?
2: Uh, I mean, pretty predictable, but I'm going to say XD I'm say XD.
0: I am going to agree with Frank. I'm going to uh, I'm going to put my no money uh, behind Xd. <laughs> Folks, let us know what your application of choice is, what your experience has been, have you used these? Are you using one of the, you know, 20 others that are out there and you find one of them to be particularly useful? Let us know. We'd love to hear and and know what the the pros and cons are or if you think uh, you know, we weren't fair to any of these. I I feel like we were pretty nice to all of them though, so Uh, sorry I don't none of us apparently use sketch so there wasn't a whole lot to talk about there except that it's for max I don't have a Mac, uh, but that's that is a fair criticism unto itself folks stay tuned we'll be back in just a minute and uh, we'll talk to Frank and we'll talk about the rest of our season (laughs) the drunken UX podcast is brought to you by our friends at new cloud NewCloud is an industry-leading interactive map provider who has been building location-based solutions for organizations for a decade. Are you trying to find a simple solution to provide your users with an interactive map of your school, city, or business? Well, NewCloud's interactive map platform gives you the power to make and edit a custom interactive map in just minutes. They have a team of professional cartographers who specialize in map illustrations of many different styles and are ready to design an artistic rendering to fit your exact needs. One map serves all of your users' devices with responsive maps that are designed to scale and blend in seamlessly with your existing website. To request a demonstration or to view their portfolio, visit them online at newcloud.com slash drunkenUX. That's nucloudcom slash drunkenUX. Frank, thanks for taking the time tonight to sit down with us. We appreciate uh, you giving us a little chunk of your evening to talk about these tools. I hope that everybody found it useful um, and that you've learned a little bit and that you'll go out there and kind of do some research of your own. Uh, But, Frank, the floor is yours. The microphone is in front of you. Take a couple minutes. Tell everybody where they can find you, uh, where they can interact with you, anything you got going on or anything you want want them to know.
2: For sure, uh, and I mean, first off, thanks you know, thanks Michael and Aaron for having me on the show, um, especially for totally. for what I believe is episode fifty, which is you know, kind of a, yeah. kind of a big deal. And I remember following the show, especially in its in its uh, early stages, so it's kind of exciting to be on here. <laughs> it's real crazy. If uh, <laughs> if I may if I may add uh, for your listeners, I think one thing I would just love to call out: there's all these kinds of tools, but always remember. Uh, the tool doesn't make the designer the designer makes the tools you can make any one of these tools or even pen and paper work uh, just find what's best for you to reaffirm Michael's message and make it happen um, as far as where, where you can find me I'm on LinkedIn, Frank Romeo R-O-M-E-U is my last name um, on Medium I'll occasionally post some articles underscore R-O-M-E-U X is like my last name X, it's kind of cute uh. but you know whatever Nice. Um, and then on Instagram so I do uh, as Michael had mentioned earlier I'm creative director of um design company vinylized design company and then our Instagram is vinylized design we focus on a number of different like design and branding solutions um, and yeah and then I mean there's some other projects that are coming up in the horizon but I'm going to keep those on the wraps for now but be on the lookout on uh, my Medium page and on LinkedIn for more from that and Twitter as well R-O-M-E-U-X
1: well, thank you all for listening this evening to this major discussion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible at this, how's Michael. How's doing?
1: <laughs> the the log of I, great. I'm just, I just, I don't have the radio I, I set them up. That You're that supposed
0: you to knock do, them so. down. That's the way this works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll knock them down by reading two
0: more it. episodes left. I think I said two more episodes last time, but I forgot that we have three, then, two, now. Uh, we have one more interview coming up for you in two weeks, and then we uh, will round off the season by uh, giving you an update from topics from our three top episodes over the first two seasons. Uh, so hit us up on on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, let us know what you think those episodes are going to be. I already know, but I'm not going to tell you. It's going to be a surprise. Uh, let's see. If you want to check us out, Twitter, Facebook slash Drunken UX. You can go on Instagram at slash Drunken UX Podcast. Uh, if you want to chat with us, talk to us about, uh, design tools and let us know what, uh, what it is you like, you can come over by slack at drunkenux.com slash slack. You know, uh, the thing about all these tools, make sure you know what your needs are, what, uh, you know, what problems you're trying to solve with them. Make sure that you pick the thing that is right for the way that you work. That's one of the most important things about this. I said at the start, most of these tools, they're not bad. There's not like you can't go wrong with any of them, but you can go with something that maybe doesn't facilitate the way you work. So make sure you consider that before you jump in with anything. Try some of those free trials. Keep all of this kind of advice close to you and make sure that you always remember to keep your personas close (laughs) and and your users
1: closer. (laughs) <laughs> I love it when I notice like like oh there it is.
0: <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>. bye. <laughs>